so good. Thank you, Ira. What a gift we have in that man. Amen. And the whole worship team was so precious this morning. Thank you all for your hard work and sacrifice and leading us to the presence of the Lord. Good morning, Gateway. How are we doing? I'm excited, as you can tell. My boss arrives tomorrow. I'm very excited what God is doing in this place. It is my honor and privilege this morning. I've been trying to get Brother Neil for months to come encourage us and so into us. And praise God, we finally found a moment that he could do that because him coming in uh, in late September, his schedule's been very busy and He's just a wonderful brother. I've, I've known Brother Neil since the early 2000s. I was introduced to him by my father back in the day uh, through the John 17 prayer pastor gatherings and stuff. And at the time, uh, Brother Neil was a pastor at McGee Road Baptist Church here in Montgomery. He's the founder of Community of Hope, which we do a lot of ministry with here presently with Miss Luann Rotten. And it's still going strong. And so he's been a part of this community. He's been a part of what God's been doing here. And as Drew said, the Lord led he and his wife, Mary, on to Woodstock, Georgia, in the Atlanta area to work with the North American Mission Board. And then God sovereignly, and I'm so glad Robbie prayed it because I've been thinking about this. You know, God's chosen Grady for us. And for such a time as this, God has chosen Neil for us in this city, in the River Region. And before he comes up, he's not going to like that I do this, but I just... I was looking for some bio information. I got on the Montgomery Bath Association blog, and uh, I just want you to hear the heart of this man who's going to encourage us today, because this really encouraged me. And he wrote this in late September as, uh, on his little blog on the website, and he said, Moving into the office this week, my heart kept returning to a scripture from Genesis 4, verse 26, where it says, At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Interestingly, this is the first recorded moment of corporate worship in the Bible. The Hebrew language makes it even more emphatic. People crying out to the Lord. This scripture moved me to conviction when I asked, Lord, am I regularly crying out to you for my family, for my church family, my city, the river region, our state, the nation, the world? Is this the highest priority of my day to call upon the name of the Lord? Putting the last book on my shelf, I knelt before God committing myself as your new director of missions to make this the number one priority of my life and to invite you to do the same. Montgomery Baptist, let us begin today in a season of self-denial, prayer and renewal, crying out to God. May the river region become known as the heartland of a mighty revival that swept our nation and world. May every pulpit in central Alabama ring the bells of heaven with the clarion call from that song of old, We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And may each of you live your life on mission, calling daily upon the name of the Lord. That is the heart of the man we're going to hear from today. Let's give a warm welcome to our brother, Neil. Thank you, Brother CJ, and so glad to be able to be back with all of you dear friends at Gateway. What an honor and privilege and joy it has been through the years to be deeply in love with you and be on mission for Christ here in the River Region and beyond. And we're just so grateful that Lisa and Russ and their family uh, became a part of your church family and uses this as a base of ministry, and she does a fabulous job for us as Montgomery Baptist. Let's just thank the Lord for all that... The Lord does through her. Thank you, Lisa. God bless you. 
Steve and Jason, we just thank you for giving your mama to us and letting us uh, enjoy uh, all what the Lord does through Lisa Rose's life. We just, uh, we're just tickled to be back. And I know you're praying for Grady. Uh, uh, we, uh, we're, we're about a couple of months ahead of him in the moving detail. And I'm just going to ask that you pray earnestly for him in the moving. I tell you, uh, that'll draw you closer to Jesus because the devil wants every bit of you during that time. And, uh, we, uh, we got uh, here, we had some movers that uh, moved us from Woodstock, and we were getting here, and they were a day late, and that kind of missed our schedule up. And, and so I had to come down here by myself and open up some things down here while Mary was working with them up there in Woodstock. Well, that afternoon, she calls me up, and now, if you know Mary, she's very sweet, very quiet, very kind, very God-filled, very spirit-led. I mean, I could not, I'm married up, you know. I mean, she's just amazing. And, but yet, when she called me, and I said to the phone, hello, she says, I'm going to kill me somebody. <laughs> At that time, I was glad I was 200 miles away from her, you know. There's some apple orchards up in North Georgia that they, she could plant me and they'd never find me. <laughs> so, but uh, but she, we made it on down here. And, you know, if that is our worst problem, we're in pretty good shape. But, but, uh, but we do ask that you pray for Grady and Julie and their family as they make their way here. We're so excited to know of what God's going to do through this dear brother and family as y'all work here in the base of your ministry. In fact, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I know that you all have interviewed him, you've prayed for him, you've, you've sought the will of God regarding him uh, in the interview process, both privately and corporately. You have uh, come to help him to know what you expect of him as a pastor. Maybe you grilled that, maybe even afterwards. Some of you got in his face, this is what I want you to do as a pastor here of the Gateway family. Well, let me take this privilege as your director of missions to flip the coin for a moment and ask you the question, what does a pastor expect of you? And we're going to take a few moments and we're going to talk through that in Scripture. So if you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning in verse 1 and going to verse 12. What does a pastor expect of you? Today I want us to go deep into the Word of God and through this beautiful vision that Ezekiel had for us regarding the temple and the work of God and how the freshness of the Holy Spirit works through our lives in order to bring people unto himself. And so if you have your Bibles open or your tablets shining, won't you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Allow me to read chapter 47, beginning in verse 1 and going to verse 12. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, that's about 1,500 feet, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet and led me through water that was up to the waist. 
he measured off another 1,500 feet. But now it was over that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. And there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Eglagum, and there will be places for spreading nets. The, note that, not lines, nets. <laughs> the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fall, fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Why don't we pray together. Father, thank you for this rich picture of your amazing grace and how you, the Holy Spirit, flow through your people's lives. And Lord, here's a picture of all the fish that will be taken because of you and your glory and for your glory and because of your servant's efforts. And we thank you, Father, for all that you do through the Gateway family. Bless them in moments like these. Oh, Father, fill them with your spirit. Thrill them with your presence. Skill them with your warfare for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you please be seated? I'm just so thrilled that God has led Pastor Grady and Julia and their sweet family to come here. I got to meet them during your, uh, your block party here a few weeks ago during the, uh, during the, the Harvest Festival. And uh, just excited to get to know him better and to, that already have sensed his heart. Uh, he's such an encourager. He's, God has used him already to encourage my heart. And, oh, what a, a video that we saw a lot a moment ago. And just to know his excitement his love for Jesus, to know that the Lord is going to use him in a great way, to know that you all are coming together as pastor and people to give a, a, a rich moment of legacy in this area. I, I can remember when I was first uh, coming through the, 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 the ranks and just growing in the Lord and, and serving the Lord in churches. I came as a freshman in 1977 to Sanford University. That freshman year, I was called out to Centerville, Alabama, to a little country church out there called the Enon Baptist Church. There were but 15 of us, and they had that beautiful little old country church in the Wildwood, and uh, the piano that about seven keys worked on that piano. And, and, uh, and we kind of worked through it, and during the fall time, they'd leave the windows open, you know. And, and I was there. It was my first sermon there. They had their singing, and I got up, and I preached. I felt like I was like Billy Graham. Man, I was just, I pulled it all in to those 15 or so that were there and just gave my whole heart to them and then called for the invitation and the little lady came over there and she started pecking out just as I am. And as she was playing that hymn, a, a goat went through the main door and came down the aisle of the church, you know. It was my first convert as a pastor. And, and, 
Someone asked me the question and said, well, did you baptize him? I said, no, but the barbecue was great. <laughs> oh, we went from there and uh, served a little while on staff in the Birmingham area, went off to Texas and served in the seminaries, so pastored there uh, in, that, uh, in a, a wonderful church there in Weatherford, Texas, that left there and came to Birmingham, was pastoring in Birmingham, and God was just such a work. It was just just one of those times where you just saw God such a work. I remember one Sunday, Brother Carmen, I mean, everything was just, everything it was just amazing. The, the praise team, the choir, the, the you know, everything just happened. I, I preached and the invitation came. Minnie came forward. This little lady on the front named Dola Galloway, she was about to have a spell. She was just jumping up and down. And, and that's Baptist church in a Baptist day. And, and, uh, and so anyway, afterwards, I kind of got in the car with my wife and I looked at her and I said, how many great preachers you think there are in this land? And she looked back to me and she said, One last thing you think, Mother. <laughs> <laughs> we came on to Montgomery and served uh, for, for 18 years in this great city, McGee Road Baptist Church, and God allowed us the privilege of beginning the community of hope. Legacies just were created in that journey and continue to be created for as long as we have breath. All of us, as God's people, should be on mission for Him. Amen? And God has allowed this moment in your journey to have a wonderful pastor and family. And you all are going to come together. And God has knit your hearts already together. And you look out here, and I know even of just recent days with the Harvest Festival, you see the, the, the fields just ripen to harvest all over this river region of ours, not to mention the world. And thank you for, for mentioning this brother's uh, name and for praying for him and for seeing your legacy, not just across the street, but around the world. God gives us that opportunity. It's, it's the dash that we live in. It's these moments where, where God works in and through our lives for His glory. Uh, I, I love um, a hobby. It's kind of a weird uh, hobby, but I like it anyway. I, I like to, uh, to go out and to see gravestones and... Uh, uh, in, in, in graveyards, and I like to read the epitaphs. I just kind of keep up with that, you know, and a lot of people know I, I got started in, in uh, Texas. We had a big old graveyard out there, and they had some, uh, some, some little gravestones that said, taken away by Comanche Indians, never to be seen again, you know, and that kind of intrigued me, you know, and so anyway, one of these, uh, somebody gave me a book on epitaphs, and this was one of the epitaphs. It said, one of these days you will be Prepare to follow me. And someone wrote in, uh, wrote in the notice of, the, of, 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 of that and said, To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> I, as, a, as a North American Mission Board uh, employee, I traveled all over the continent. And I was up in Ohio and I saw this gravestone. I, I loved it. It said, Here lies the body of old man Pease neath the beneath the, the flowers and trees. Now, peas ain't here, just a pod. Peas shelled out and went to God. You know? <laughs> well, one day I kind of messed up. I said, peas, uh, peas uh, shelled out and, and, uh, and uh, peas potted out and, and there's nothing but the shell. He potted out and went to and I messed up there. You know? so, but one day I was in Massachusetts, and this is the point I want to make. One day I was in Massachusetts, and I came to D.L. Moody's grave. Y'all know who I'm talking about, the great evangelist of the 19th century. God used that layman in tremendous ways, built a legacy that we still remember today. 
And there in his graveyard was an epitaph on, that was from Scripture, 1 John 2, 17. said, The world and its desires fade away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You all, God willing, are going to be doing the will of God with your pastor. And we will celebrate the legacy, but, but make no mistake, that scripture is so true. The person who does the will of God lives forever. The, the memory of this day, the, the living in the dash of this day will impact families that impact families that impact families that impact families. You'll start churches that start churches that start churches that start churches because you dare to live in the will and in the word of God. And you did it together as pastor and people. So today, when I talk to you about what does a pastor expect of you, I want us to go deeper than the things that you just kind of obviously know. You're going to pray for him. You're going to encourage him. You're going to champion the work of God through him. You're going to ask God to keep him strong and healthy and close and clean before the Lord. You're going to do all of that. You've already been, you know what to do. You're students of the Word. You know how to do that. But let's just take it to another level, shall we? Let's just grow a little deeper. And let me just put a, a challenge on you and dare you to do this with your pastor uh, as he comes next Sunday. These are the three questions I want to ask you here today. The first one is this. Will you follow your pastor into the deep water? Will you follow your pastor into the deep water? Ezekiel, that great prophet of old, gave us a, a revelation, if you will, a vision of, of how he went into the deep water. The Bible says in verse 3 that as the man, that's God, as he went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off the thousand cubits, the 1,500 feet. And so he measured off and he was showing, he was using it as an illustration for, for him because you see that the, the, it was a picture of the flow of God, the Holy Spirit coming out of God's temple, out of the eastern gate, through the gate called Beautiful, down through the Mount of Olives, down through the Kidron Valley, and heading to desert land, heading toward the Dead Sea, where, where there was no grass or, or nothing at, at all, just, just, a, just a desert land. But yet, there was a flow that originated from the temple of God. And, and this flow was going, and as you went even further, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And so now, as Ezekiel is following the very one who has, had made and created this vision for him, the man comes to this place, and he goes eastward with his measuring line in his hand, and he measured off as they're stepping in the water, and they go 1,500 feet in the water, and the Bible Bible says they're at ankle deep. Now, I can just imagine Ezekiel going, oh, this is pretty fun here. I'm with God, and we're ankle deep in the water. Boy, this is really good. Well, the Bible says that he went on even further. They measured off another 1,500 feet, and now they were knee deep. Well, this is fun. Boy, we're knee deep. We're having a good time. God and me, man, we're out here in the knee deep water. Well, they measured another 1,500 feet, and the Bible says now that it's up to the waist. Well, this is fun. We can continue to do that. Oh, let's throw some rocks, Jesus. Let's enjoy this time together. God, oh, this is great and wonderful. Now he measured off another 1,500 feet and now they were at a river that he could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. So all of a sudden they'd gone from ankle to knee to waist to, to head and now they had their, they were at a point where apart from swimming they would drown and, and he was at a point where he was desperately in need of someone to help him and guess who that one was? It was God himself. You know? And you and I, that's the deep water. 
God's not inviting us to ankle deep. He's not inviting us to knee deep or waist deep or even head deep. He's inviting us to get out there that apart from Him, we would die. Years ago, John Knox said these words, God, give me Scotland or I'll die. And a lot of us use that. And I've preached it a million times. Boy, it's third land. Give me Scotland or I'll die. But if you read the rest of the journal a few days later, the Holy Spirit spoke to John Knox. And he said, Knox, die and I'll give you Scotland. Are, are you willing to go out into the deep water with your pastor? Are you willing to follow him? I guarantee you God's filling him with vision. I guarantee you God's filling him with passion. I guarantee you he's coming here with an excitement and joy that is, that is with the filling of God and the Holy Spirit in his life. And I ask you here today, dear Gateway friends, are you willing to join your pastor in the deep water to do what God wants you to do? Where you simply say, as did the songwriter, nothing in my hands I bring, but oh, to that cross I cling. Where you understand that apart from Him you are nothing, that, that He is the vine and you're the branch, and that we need to go, and we go together, but we go with desperation in our hearts, because apart from Him we could do nothing here in the city. You know, for all of these years, I mean, Montgomery Baptist for 135 years, oh, you think we'd be cutting some, some ground here for all these years. Maybe we've measured off. But I just feel like that the world is yet to see Montgomery Baptist totally, completely Hold out to Him. And when that time comes, my goodness gracious, oh, what the Lord intends to do with His people as they go out into the deep water to a river they cannot cross, to a river that no one could cross. God even said to Ezekiel, He said, Ezekiel, son of man, do you see this? Now, here's the literal Hebrew phrase. Do you get this? Do you get this? Church, do you get it? Do you understand that the Lord wants us all to go out into the deep water to serve Him? You know, sometimes we have eyes and cannot see and ears and cannot hear. Uh, a good Alabama way of saying that is that we're just plumb stubborn. <laughs> a good way to say it in South Alabama is we're mule-headed. Y'all know what I'm talking about now, don't you? We, we, sometimes we get mule-headed. Y'all know what mule-headed is. It just means that you're really stubborn, you know. have... Um, how many of you know a mule-headed person? Let's just wait here for a moment. Okay, some of you know. How many of you sitting next to the mule-headed person right now? Okay, how many of you are the mule-headed person? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when Mary and I were in Texas, we we'd just been married just a little while. We graduated in May, married in June, went to seminary in August, went out to Weatherford to serve that beautiful church out there. It was it was way out in the middle of nowhere. I kept waiting for the rifleman or the lone ranger to show up. We were just out in the grass patch, you know, and we're out there. And one day we got in a little spat before we got in the car to drive the 50 miles out to that church, you know. And I wasn't talking to Mary and she wasn't talking to me. Now, how many have been there, done that before you come to church one time? Okay, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, that's why happened to us? You know, we weren't talking. We get there into the Weatherford area, right along that ranch land, go down by where the cows were. There were some mules that were grazing right along the side of the fence line. I saw them. I knew Mary saw them. I looked at my wife then of just a few months. I said, relatives of yours? <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't even think of doing that. But I did that. 
She looked at me and she said, yes, on my husband's side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we know what mule-headed is. Some of us are just mule-headed. We, we just want to do it our way or have it our way. But God invites us to do it His way. We're ready to, to die. Maybe He'll give us the river region. Maybe he'll have favor on the Gateway family to be the flagship that leads Montgomery Baptist into the deep water, into the days to come. And Brother Pastor uh, Grady will lead us in that day. Let the hand of God be upon you as you go into the deep water. Number two, will you visualize with your pastor the life-changing opportunities? Will you visualize with your pastor the life-changing opportunities. We left off with God saying to Ezekiel, Son of man, do you see this? Do you really get this? Then he explains further. Notice what he says in verse, in verse 6 or verse 7. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. I want you to capture that, okay? At, at the beginning, Mark, it was just Ezekiel. Now it was Ezekiel filled with the Holy Spirit of what the Holy Spirit could and would do through Ezekiel's life. And now as he had gone out into the deep water where it was nothing in my hands I bring, but all to that cross I cling now, he's coming back to the banks of the river. And the Bible says he can see the trees on the other side. You see, in the power of God, all of a sudden we see through His eyes. In the power of God, all of a sudden we hear through His ears. In the power of God, all of a sudden we experience things from His heart and from His perspective and from His point of view. And Ezekiel was able to do that. The Bible says, He led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And then God explains to him, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down in the Arabah where it enters into the sea. And when it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live where the river flows and there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. Now I want you to capture with me where they're going, okay? They're going to where it's arid and dry and barren. But when the water flows and the and the fresh meets the salt, then all of a sudden there's fishing to behold. I mean, not just fish, but great fish. And not just some, but many. In fact, the Bible says uh, they were able to, to fish, not with lines, but with nets. There was much to do because they had experienced a life-changing opportunity as they joined the hand of God into the deep water to go toward the barren land together. And together there was great fish to behold. God gives you this opportunity with your pastor. Will you visualize with your pastor the life-changing opportunities? Would you flow in the river of God? Would you let the Holy Spirit so work in and through your life in such a way that you can see the river banks and the trees and the swarms of living creatures where the river flows and the large number of fish because where the water, the fresh water flows and the salt water comes together, oh, there's great fishing in those parts. When I was growing up, my daddy used to pick us up every springtime and from school during the spring break. And he'd pick my sister and me, and we'd go down to Stimahatchee, Florida, and Apalachicola, Florida. And we'd fish forever and ever and ever because the fresh water met the salt water. And in that part of the world, there was great 
great fishing. And all of a sudden, instead of catching the brim and the perch, I was catching fish this big. I used to say this big, but I've come down to this size now. You know, it's, a, it's amazing what God can do when we trust in Him. Let's let us experience the life-changing opportunities when we take His hand and go into the deep water and go toward the salt water and let Him flow through our lives so that we can experience and see life-changing opportunities as people who are dead become alive again in Jesus. You see, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the thief just has taken the river region and he's stolen uh, people's lives and he's killed people's joy and, he, and, he's, and he's done all kinds of things to their families. But God has come through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have life and life abundant. And when we go out on mission with Him and the fresh water arrives at the salt water, oh, hallelujah, all of a sudden we're bringing the greatest news this side of heaven. His name is Jesus. And the dead walk again. And the sinful give their hearts to the Lord and their lives are changed by the power of His grace and mercy. Will you visualize the life-changing opportunities? Oh, I would challenge you today. If you would, I mean, even just right now while your pastor continues to, to lead you and direct you in the days to come, but would you right now just start praying one mile out? Could you just pray one mile out? Just, just, just ride down Bell Road and, and ride down, uh, ride down um, the Bone Road and just kind of figure it out one mile out and then just start walking that beat and praying in Jesus' name where the fresh water meets the salt water and tell people that, they, that, that Jesus loves them and has a wonderful plan for their life. Can you do that? We as an associational family, we recognize and have noted for many years now of the giants in this land, uh, race issues, school issues, uh, crime issues, poverty issues, uh, consumer religion. I want to add another one, defeatism. There's just so much people just don't believe that God can do what God, God could do if we were but to trust in Him. Yet I invite Montgomery Baptists and have already done so to pick up five smooth stones. We call them uh, city reconciliation through prayer. We call it church planning. We're going to start a church planning network here in this area. We call it congregation revitalization. We're going to start a city of refuge that help broken pastors. We have a community ministry uh, uh, going already through the ministry of Lisa, but we're going to take it up another notch. We're going to say to our DHR and to others around here, we as Montgomery Baptists are going to own the orphan problem around here and we're going to ask churches to pray and participate and for some to dare to adopt and to, to take foster children in and to help them. We're going to do that as a community ministry. We're, we're going to, as a, as a Montgomery Baptist family, we're, we're going to reach out into some of the rural pockets of the areas and, and do what we can to, to, uh, to, to, to help them to grow in love with Jesus and to provide food for them and healthy food for them so they maybe could get healthier and get away from diabetes and from the other things that, that are keeping them from, from living a productive life. And then we're going to teach them how, to, uh, how to, to, to work and how to get off of the subsidy of government and live in, away from that bondage. And we're going to do that in Jesus' name together. We have a Montgomery Baptist vision, but Pastor Grady is going to come with, with vision for you. Will you visualize with your pastor the life-changing opportunities? Many years ago when 
the Lord led us to begin the community of hope. You were so gracious on Saturday night. You allowed us to meet right here as our core group was being developed. And, uh, and God began to work through His people. Now, I want you to know, we, we didn't quite know what we were doing. We just knew that we were ready to get out in the deep water with the Lord. And so we, we gathered together. So we'd worship together here on Saturday night. And then we would go and visit afterward. And, and, and the uh, Evangelism um, Response Center of the North American Mission Board had given us some people to visit. And we went to this home over in Manly Village, off in the Chisholm area. And we knocked on the door, and to be honest about it, I thought they'd run us off. But when she opened up the door, this lady named Christine said, Oh, please come in. I've been waiting for someone to come and tell me about Jesus. <laughs> we, we came in, we shared our faith with her, and her and her children came to know the Lord. And like the woman in the well, she said, oh, this is so good. I, I, I've, I, I've got to go tell my neighbors. So she went out and grabbed a bunch of her neighbors. She brought them back. She set them down in her living room. She looked at me. She said, you know what to do. <laughs> we shared our faith again, and God began to work there in the Manly Village area. On Christmas Eve, we, we worshipped here on Saturday night, Christmas Eve. And, and we were together, and, and we didn't know quite what to do with all these presents that had come to give to other needy people. I said, well, let's go over to that cul-de-sac where God seems to be doing some work in Manly Village. We didn't know what we were doing, but we packed up our cars and we rode out to there into that area. And, and they were having a big old crack party on that cul-de-sac at that time. Now, I, I grew up in a Leave It to Beaver family in Macon, you know, and I didn't know quite what to do. But I walked out the door and this guy named Pride, he came up to me and he said, uh, you're the preacher, aren't you? And I looked around. I was kind of looking for help here, you know. And, and I said, well, yeah, look at I am. And, and he looked at me. He says, well, it's Christmas Eve. Preach. I said, yes, sir. And so I, I, I took him from the cradle to the cross and extended an invitation for them to come to, to enjoy the wonders of heaven through God's Son, Jesus Christ. And many of them got saved. I'll never forget this guy. Named, we called him Jumping Jack. He had one tooth right in the front. And he was jumping up and down. He said, ooh, I gave Jesus my heart. Ooh, I gave Jesus my heart. And God began to strengthen the work of Manly Village. Pride, he was the drug dealer out there. He would start coming to some of our small groups. He would sit there for a while. And then when a car came by, he'd excuse himself and sell his drugs. And then come back here and, and, and do some more. Now, what do you do with that? You know, we, we just kept taking the fresh water to the salt. You know, we, we just kept sharing our faith and kept loving him. And eventually, old Frankie Pride came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then, for many years there, there was a sign right there on that cul-de-sac. Frankie had put it up. It said, Manly Village, where Jesus is Lord. <laughs> I mean, God wants to do a great work through His people. Can't you visualize what happens when the fresh water hits the salt? And so much good will take place when Jesus moves through the hearts of His people. And Jesus is Lord of this city once again. Number three, will you join with your pastor at the riverbank? You know, it's one thing to say, oh, pastor, we're praying for you. It's another thing to say, well, pastor, we're right behind you, and then the three of them go out there, you know. It, it's, but it's so much more wonderful when we say, pastor, we're not just praying for you. We're not just right behind you. We're going to be right beside you. 
And we're going to hold your hands up as you lead us into the, to the riverbank and to help us to bring food and healing to those who are hurting and in need. Notice what the Scripture says in verse 10. The Bible says, Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engadai to Eglam. Now, Engadai, you might know it, it's a popular place. Engadai is where the Qumran uh, area was. And it's where Masada is, okay? And if you go north to the mouth of the Jordan River, they believe that was where Eglam is. And so there was, there was several miles of a passageway that they said, hey, there'll be people alongside that where the fresh water hits the salt, and they'll be fishing not with a line, but with a net. And they'll be catching great fish for His glory. And so notice here, but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruit trees from all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear. And because the water from the sanctuary, the Holy Spirit, flows to them, their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. God has given you a mighty opportunity to join your pastor in the days to come, to say to this community, to say to Montgomery, to say to the River Region, to say to the world, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Won't you join with Him at the river bank and take the fruit that serves for food and the leaves that serve for healing that comes from the freshness of the Holy Spirit of God? And may God use you greatly to be salt and light in this community and beyond. Won't you carry the cross of Christ everywhere you go and let it shine brightly for Him? Years ago, I was privileged, Brother Carmen, Brother Tom, had extended to me an invitation and your former pastor, Gary Sanders, to join with many of the other pastors at a pastor's prayer summit. Y'all remember that? Just, I mean, it's the most, one of the most precious memories of my life. It was so great. God just gathered pastors together to pray. And there was so much fruit that came out of that. You're talking about the fresh hitting the salt water, man. It was a picture of, of, of Ezekiel 47. But there, while we were there, I was sitting out and many people were just standing looking and at a cross that was at a lake, and it illumined over the lake. It was lit up, and it illumined over the lake, just a big cross that illumined over the lake there at the retreat center where we were at in Andalusia. And the Methodist campground director came, and he was sitting there just with a bunch of us fellas, and he just started telling us the story. He said, Neil and others, he said, "Um, you know, last week it was just my wife and me out here, and we saw that light on. We'd seen the cross all the time, and there's no one out here. We thought, well, we'll, we'll just um, we'll save some money on the utilities. And so I went out there, and I cut the light off the cross and went to bed. He said the next morning, the general at nearby Fort Rucker, that's the place that trains our helicopter pilots, he said the general called him up. And he said, sir, what did you do with the cross last night? He said, well, it was just my wife and me out here. We turned the lights out. The general said, well, for heaven's sakes, turn them back on. Our pilots were lost all night long last night. They used it as a beacon to shine their way back home. Y'all know where I'm going with this, don't you? (laughs) How many of us, through circumstances or issues or apathy, or defeatism, or just that 
sense of despair. Well, it never worked. You have that Eeyore spirit. It won't work. It never did. I mean, we ain't never done it that way before. And all of that kind of stuff. You've turned the lights off of the cross of your heart. For heaven's sakes, turn them back on. Let God shine through your life. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you. Join with your pastor toward this new day of opportunity that the Bible calls for such a time as this. When you join with your pastor at the riverbank, oh, oh, let's pull those nets up. Oh, they're so heavy. Look at all the fish that's coming. Oh, praise God. Look at all the fish that are being discipled now. Oh, praise God. Look at all the fish that are going forth to, 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 to carry the message of the cross to others. Oh, praise God. Oh, the day will come and y'all will see not just a few, but many. And a day will come where churches start churches that start churches that start churches. And a day will come where y'all aren't just the Gateway Baptist Church, but that the gateway network of many, many churches started, many, many places where the Lord is using you to bring the fruit that God gives to serve for food and their leaves for healing to others. So carry out the work of the Lord and do it with your pastor. Amen? Amen. Many years ago, they created a cemetery that we all know as Arlington Cemetery. And there, not too long ago, maybe about three decades ago, they formed what became known as the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And every hour of every day, 24-7, there are honor guards that honor the memory of these men and women who have been lost in battle. They're unknown, but God knows who they are. And they serve, and on the hour, they will pass one another. And when they pass one another, one guard will say to the other three words. Orders remain unchanged. Until Jesus comes, orders remain unchanged. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father... Thank you for this day that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of serving you. Thank you, Lord, that you've invited us to join Pastor Grady to these life-changing opportunities as we all go into the deep water together. 